looking for the King of Podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. This brand is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day and special seasonal gift sets. But also let's not forget large orders for party favours by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansoapery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State, 
and order your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hi, it's Melanie Kinnaman from Friday the 13th Part 5 and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isle. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. So folks, this next guest is an actress who is no stranger to the Northeast as she is born and bred from Massachusetts and she has become an accomplished dancer. She's done some professional singing, but also an actress, both stage and screen. She is best known for her appearances in General Hospital back in 1982. Some little movie called Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, that was in 85. I don't know if anybody's heard of that. And Best of the Best in 1989. And she's done other stuff. But let's welcome Miss Melanie Keenaman. How you Thank doing? Thank you. Hello. I'm great. How are you? Can't complain and finally glad we can connect because when we, when we originally had this scheduled, I like to be upfront and honest with the fans. I ended up with a miserable migraine, which I know some people can attest to, which is so much fun, but mm. so glad we can finally do this. On a holiday weekend, it's the best time. Yeah, why not? So, and I know you have publicly stated this on Facebook and social media and such, but I was also glad to hear that you are fully vaccinated like myself. Yes. And glad that the world is starting to go back to a new normal. So I'm so thrilled. I can't wait. So do you have, with that being said, do you have anything planned currently with possible appearances or just going back to a normal life? Yes, I well, normal life, but also I have appearances that are coming up. Everything's falling into place. The the first thing I'm doing is July um, 29th through August 1st in Chicago. Um, flash Flashback weekend. Always a good show. It's one of my favorites. And it's... Um, so that's my first venture out, and, and all the fans will be coming to that who live close enough to go to Chicago. Uh, and then after that, I'm doing, uh, I believe, two in West Virginia in October. Mid-October, I'm going to Germany to do a convention. Uh, um, it's called uh, House of Horrors, and I'm doing it uh, the weekend of the 15th and 16th, I believe, uh, of, of October. Then the end of October, I'm appearing for Halloween, uh, the weekend of Halloween, in Western, West Virginia at um, Haunted Majestic. It's a new convention there. Nice. Well, speaking of which, getting back on the road and just a normal life, back to a new normal, I guess I should say, yeah. is 
how are you feeling about getting back on the road? Because it's funny, I was talking to a recent guest uh, who is well known on the horror circuit as well. Uh-huh. And he, he was joking, saying how exhausted he was when he finally pulled into his driveway at, say, a week of because he went a few days beforehand to a convention and just he didn't have a sea legs amongst him yeah. for travel. Yeah, yeah. I, the uh, flashback weekend will be my getting my sea legs. That's that's a very busy convention. And uh, that's where I'm going to find out if I can. If I can withstand it, it'll it'll get me in shape for the uh, ones coming up later in the fall. But um, yeah, it's going to be a different feeling because I've been away from it for over a year. It's been almost two years for me since I've made an appearance anywhere. Yeah, but it's nice to be getting back on the road again. I know we'll be taking a show back on the road sooner than later. Right. I just have nothing to announce yet because I'm still doing the details and logistics and all that stuff. Right. But. I touched on it in the intro there. And folks, also, I want to mention, it, check out Melanie's uh, Instagram as well, because I've seen some of these videos of her dancing, and it's unbelievable. But what led you to starting to dance at a young age? You know, I had an older brother and sister uh, who... My sister became a professional dancer and I just had the natural ability. So my mother had the wherewithal to start taking me to dance classes at the age of four. And I became very a quick learn and a natural talent. So I danced from the age of four through my whole life. And I started dancing professionally at 13, meaning you get paid for it and you're in shows. And I lived close enough to, to uh, New Haven, Connecticut and New York City where I would go and do professional shows there. There weren't any professional things really in my hometown. So that facilitated the, um, the road to becoming a professional dancer. Well, I also had read with that, and I mentioned it in the intro as well. Wasn't the singing interjected at that same point at as the, well? At the same time. At the same time, I was doing both and taking lessons and and becoming professional at a young age for that. And then when I got to New York City, I moved to New York as soon as I got out of college, uh, high school and went to college there and um, started getting professional work. And one of the first things I did that incorporated the singing and dancing was the Dr. Pepper commercial. And um, it was a, the scene was a high school prom. So I was the prom queen. And it was a fit 1950s. Uh, theme. So we shot that for three days. It was shot on a Broadway stage. It was done like a Broadway show and uh, full cast. We got awards for it. We won a Clio award for it. It was that good. So it was great music. I sang the jingle and then I did the dance on, on, on camera. Right on. And she mentions commercials and she's done commercials at that time period for many products, whether it be Coke, stovetop stuffing, Maybelline, Arid deodorant, you name it. Did you think commercials was going to be your main thing or was it, hey, I just got to pay the bills? No, I had to pay the bills. It was also really, believe it or not, in those days, because we're talking about the late 70s, if you did a commercial and it became national, and like Dr. Pepper, Coke, they were all nationals. I mean, so many people saw you and mine were all musical things. So I was either singing, dancing, running around, uh, 
you know, selling these products. And I got calls from directors and casting people just from those commercials. So I use it as a vehicle to, you know, go further. Right on. Was there any particular product you were offered to be a, do a commercial for that you weren't particularly comfortable with? Yeah, feminine hygiene products. I turned those down, <laughs> which I probably shouldn't have, but I wasn't comfortable at the time doing them. Totally understand with that. And But hey, unfortunately, a necessary evil. Yes. But I understand not being comfortable with something like that. However, like you said, you used their commercials for advancement, which led to roles such as you know, in the 80s, like Kill Street Blues and LA yeah. Law and Cheers and all that stuff. Then NYPD Blue in the 90s and such. Was there, and I notice it's like children when I ask this question, but was there a particular series you really enjoyed being a part of? Hill Street Blues was a big thrill for me. I loved that show and I wanted to audition desperately for them. And I was so thrilled when I got the audition and then I got the part because I got to meet everybody. And I worked with one of my favorite actors in the scene that I did with Keel Martin. Uh, my other favorite, all time favorite was Cheers. Uh, how can you not like Cheers? Yeah, Cheers, uh, that part was great. We worked for a whole week. You rehearsed for a whole week with this great cast. And then you shoot it in front of a live audience on Friday night. So it was a, it was a dream. It was a dream job. And you know, it's funny that we're talking about Cheers here because I believe it was on the 20th. So it would have been last week or 10 days ago at this point of this recording that that was the anniversary of the final broadcast of Cheers on oh. 520. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, the only reason I remember that was because it's also my younger sister's birthday. So, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it was clicked. a great show. It was oh. a great show, great series. And then it, you know, did a spinoff of Frasier, who yeah. I love, Kelsey Grammer. He's a great guy. It was great to work with. Now, one of the bigger projects that I saw your name was associated with, but it was cut from the movie best of the best yeah or how, how do i put this would one still be paid for a part that was cut from a film yes as long as your name is in the credits which it is i still get residuals from that i still get paid whenever it's shown anywhere the 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 truth is i did uh numerous auditions for that they kept calling me back i got the role i was thrilled i so wanted to do it Eric Roberts was one of my favorite actors. All of my scenes were with him. And for some reason, their reasoning was they wanted more time for the fight scenes. So they cut out my character. And I didn't find out till the last minute. When the movie came out, they didn't tell me before. During all the editing, no one told me. Then there was a screening. I went to the screening. I still didn't know. And I was sitting in the screening with my agent and saw none of my scenes came up on screen. So it was a shock. And you would think even prior to the screening, they would have some, yeah, somebody would have smartened you or the agent up to somebody. Yeah. That kind of shit sucks. That's for sure. That's Hollywood, baby. I found out yeah. the hard way <laughs> because at the screening, I was sitting next to the director and he never told me. 
you think even sitting right there, he'd give you an elbow and go, hey. By the way. Yeah, just tell me. Yeah, but go. they still have to pay me, so. But I was very disappointed because I did some good work in that. And all of my scenes were with Eric. And I would have loved to have that footage. And um, anyway, that's Hollywood. It is what it is. Maybe someday there can be a Blu-ray or whatever with that yeah. stuff put back in. You never know. Yes. Yeah, Very popular movie, though. Very popular movie. Exactly. I still sign people come to see me at conventions, and I still sign their posters, even though I'm not in the film. <laughs> I still sign their posters and pictures and stuff from hey. Best of the Best. Hey, it works, though. Yeah. But I have to ask about this before we get into the Friday stuff, because I found this interesting, and I just learned about this this morning when doing a little more reading about you that you performed in a one woman show, blonde, black, and blue. Yes. That was an autobiography musical. Yes. Was this something you wrote or what was the deal with this? I wrote it. I wrote the music. Um, It was very hard to get it up on stage because it's, everything's very expensive, you know, especially when you're doing it yourself. And then you, you have to get the money from producers. And I did, but it's very expensive to keep it going. And then the pandemic hit. So everything's closed down, no live shows, no audiences. We'll see what happens now that things are coming back slowly. I'm hopeful that maybe 2022, I'll be able to get it back on stage. Well, what was the response for it? People loved it because it's something different. They get to, they get to uh, a glimmer into who you are because it's about your life. And I'm singing and dancing, which a lot of people don't know I do. So it was... Um, it was rewarding for me, and I think people enjoyed it. The re- feedback was people really enjoyed the content and um, the story. Well, like I said, with, as far as the singing and dancer, more so the dancing is stuff I've seen. Check out her Instagram, which we'll put below, because I got to ask with that. Was that a local gym you'd be dancing at? Or Yeah, yeah, I have, a, I have access to a gym. They give me the keys, especially during the pandemic. So I was able to work out and, and privacy, and I just had an idea that I was goofing around and put up some dance videos. And I'm not a dance expert, and I obviously knew of your dance background. I just thought it was very entertaining, but you could see the talent there Thank with you. your dancing. And Thank you. I, I just appreciate it, and I think fans would appreciate oh, I, seeing I, those videos. Thank you. I should post a few more. Oh, you got more in the. Uh, yeah, yeah. I should post a few more. I'm also gonna uh, po- I'm going to um, post some of my singing, some of my uh, demos that I did for uh, Mercury Records. So I was in a band in the '90s and 2000s, mm. and uh, I was the lead singer. So the name of the band was Bliss, and I have a lot of material. So I think I'm going to put that up too, so people can hear what I did. Well, besides you putting that out there what you have is there anything out there of bliss you know what old videos and stuff i you know i'm going to get that formatted so i can put it up i think people would find it interesting to see me in another incarnation as a pop singer definitely would be interesting and i always am very appreciative of seeing people in different outlets yeah. not just boxed into one category as an actor or dancer right. or whatever the case may right. be. Right. But let's get into what people 
at least for our show, know you for, and that be a new beginning. Now, obviously, you may talk about COVID and stuff like that, but a little good thing that happened during 2020, at least for the fans, has been the Blu-ray box set. And I know you did a commentary for part five. So... And I did, I did that the day before. I did it with Peter Brackey. Mm-hmm. And he's the last person I saw because I did it the very day before we got locked down in Los Angeles for COVID. So I, I, I remember that day because it was the last time I was socializing with anyone. Yeah, we did the commentary. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And with that, what has been the response as far as the commentary and a box set been at least directed at you. Because mind you, and I find this entertaining, people or fans are always tagging you in Facebook and different outlets when they see the movie on TV. Yes. Yes. And and I'm getting a lot of great feedback about the box set and the new commentary. You never know how it's going to come off or how it's going to be accepted by people. I just told the truth and, and I wanted to tell the story and how I felt during the scenes that we were shooting, et cetera. And behind the scenes stuff, because I think that's interesting to the fans instead of the same old thing. So the feedback has been uh, very good. Everyone has seemed to really like it. Um, And so I think it was worthwhile. I know there are a lot of versions of the film. Uh, People said, well, we really don't need another box set. But I think we gave them something a little bit different this time. And, and I didn't do commentary before. So that in itself is new. Exactly. And I'm sitting here. It's funny. I got a uh, shelf in the office here. And the two box sets that are sitting up on this one particular shelf is the Friday the 13th set that I had purchased through Scream Factory. Right. And the original box set of Rocky. And the Rocky box set is actually signed by Stallone. Fantastic. So, you know, because I got that fanboy in me too. So, but, and I know this story's been told, but originally you guys were signed on to do Jason Lives, but things had changed. What was it that changed to not bring you guys on board for part six? When I got part five. I was signed on to do part six. So was John Shepard. I'm not sure about Shavar, but I do know John and I were signed on. So when we wrapped part five, they said, we will be in touch with you in about two to three months because we're going to go right into shooting part six. I said, okay. They said, we will send you a script, et cetera. About a month after part five was done, I got a call from my agent. And he said, well, there's a problem with part six. John Shepard doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do any more horror. And he he doesn't find it. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't feel right. He was doing Christian programming. And so he had a conflict. So because he didn't want to do part six, they felt Paramount felt they could not bring, well, it turned out not to be Paramount. I'm sorry, New Line. They felt that they couldn't bring me on because it couldn't be a continual story without John. 
And John and I were the two characters that were gonna propel part six. So needless to say, I was very disappointed, but that's the story. The true story is John opted out. And that's perfectly fine, you know, for, pers for personal preferences and stuff like that. But I think you could have still told a story with yourself and Reggie the Reckless, that's for sure. Right, but they didn't want to. Yeah. Well, speaking of John, have you kept in touch with John over the years? Not that much, but I have seen him twice, which was great. A lot of fun. He did do two conventions with me. He doesn't really do uh, conventions, but he did do two. We did Texas Frightmare together, and we did Horror Hound. Um, and it was a reunion, uh, Debbie Sue Voorhees and, and a few, uh, Ron Sloan, Carol Locatell. Uh, we were all there and it was, it was a lot of fun. So it was good to see him and he's doing very well. Well, that's good to hear. And you know, what's funny. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, and I believe the tentative date is in August. Cause you mentioned Miss Voorhees. She's got 13 fanboy coming out, which I know has been a big project of hers. Oh, good. Yeah. I'll see her in uh, July, the end of July, beginning of August. So I'll ask her about it. Yeah. She's a friend of the show. Very nice lady. I know Very this nice. is, it's a spinoff kind of deal of the people involved with the series. Uh huh. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that film and I hope, especially for Deborah, nothing but the best with this project. Yes, me too. She's yeah. a great person. You can't find a better one than her. That's for sure. Oh. But I had also seen that you did not get along with Danny, the director. Was that, because of or feeling like he was hostile and unapproachable is that true uh it's complicated i i can't say he was unapproachable um he wasn't he wasn't hands-on uh now others have said he, he was with them with me he was not he basically said do what you want and there were a few scenes that i asked him what his vision was for that particular scene, what he wanted to me to project in that scene. Cause I needed it to, to be clarified. There were a few things that were not in the script that were cut out and things like that. Mm -hmm. And he just said, do whatever you want. And I'm an actress from theater where you can talk to the director and have a feed, you know, uh, you bounce off each other and you come up with the, the best way to tell the story and make the best project you can. And so that was my intention. And when I was stuck on a few things and had questions, he didn't answer me. He just said, just do it. So I did just do it. And in a way it gave me freedom and everything you see is what I wanted to do with the exception of editing and things, but um, what I wanted to project, what I wanted to bring to the character, I was able to do. And I learned a lot. Uh, I didn't, it was my first lead. And I, I felt that I needed a little input because I saw John was getting a lot from Danny, but I wasn't getting it back. But in the long run, it was a good thing because I learned a lot and it gave me a lot of strength. And it gave me a lot of confidence in my judgment. 
And with that, and obviously you mentioned it there with the theater work and stuff like that, where there is a lot of communication with directors and everybody involved. If the film was made today, and I know that's a big question there for many reasons. Do you look back at what you did and feel you would have done some changes to that character of Pam? Uh, no, I think I did everything I, that I would have done again. There were things that didn't make it to the film. The script had much more character development of Pam. There was more about her um, and that's not there. So when I see the film, my only uh, disappointment about my character is the fact that there's not a whole lot about her there and there's a, just a lot more action and killing, which is what the film is about. Yeah. So, so I get it that a lot of the stuff was cut. Now we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We need to get to the next kill. So I get that. But as an actress, you're asking um, how I felt about it. That's my only disappointment or regret. Now, and I know you said this in other interviews and on the commentary and such, but apparently some of your favorite scenes in a film was wearing the wet t-shirt, but yet you didn't feel like you looked good in the film until the sprinklers were on the way I, <laughs> the, the way I took it, the way that just seems like oxymoron the way I took that. It's kind of funny the way you put it. I'm going to use that. I didn't, feel, I didn't feel like I looked good till the sprinklers came on. That's really good. Uh, no, I had a problem with um, uh, the wardrobe and stuff like that. I didn't think it was uh, good for the character. But, you know, it's again, it's just the actress's point of view and nitpicking. Um, it's just a personal preference. So once they hosed me down, <laughs> the outfit looked okay. There you go. My hair looked okay. It was no longer all messed up. And uh, so it was wet and the makeup was washing off and my clothes look okay. So I said, okay, I can live with this. Right on. And you know, it's funny as we joke about when the sprinklers came on and all that stuff there. Now, was that in the script that you saw? Because, and the only reason I asked that is because whether it's something like that, or nudity or whatever the case may be certain things that one may do in film or tv or whatever the case may be i know they have to approach the actor or actress to say hey we want to do this are you comfortable with this no i was never asked or told about it uh the script didn't have much detail it just said it's raining you're running in the rain I go, okay, so I know I'm going to get wet. Now, the backstory is I had underwear. I had a bra and everything on with that outfit uh, through the whole film until the rain came. And Danny came over and said, you have to, he called the wardrobe department and said, she has to remove the underwear. So I, you know, at that point I thought, okay, you know, I'm in this and I don't, I'm not really that um, offended by it. But I was not really thinking clearly because I was involved in the character and the action of Pam Roberts. So when the sprinklers came on, which they were much more than sprinklers, giant rain machines, um, <laughs> I was into uh, the scene and I wasn't really aware that I was 
semi, you know, you could see through the clothes. And it didn't matter to me at that point. It was only a surprise when I saw the film. I went, hmm, okay, these things are transparent. It's okay. I'm not offended about it. I, 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 but I wasn't told in advance if that's your question. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Cause, you know, again, it goes back to what we we're joking about with your stuff with Eric Roberts. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, just at least for me, it would be a common courtesy to ask out of respect. Absolutely. Other films I've done, they have asked, and I've signed a special contract with detail as to what would be shown, what would not be shown, if it is shown, that I can have it deleted, etc. So yes, I've done a lot of things, a lot of projects where I was told ahead of time, and it was a separate contract as to what would be shown and expected of me. And that's exactly what I was getting at because I've heard of these other contracts and that it's out of respect that you are, as the talent, made aware of what's expected and what we're trying to get to. Right. And they also, if you agree and you sign the contract, they clear the set. It's just a minimum crew for stuff like that. It's just the, the essential people on the set and you're, you're made to feel really comfortable, you know? Now with that extra agreement, and I could be wrong with this, but I just play a lawyer on, on here. I I'm not really one, but is it true that you can actually rescind that agreement said, you know, after you might have time to think about things, Hey, you know what? I might not be comfortable with this, this, or this. Yes. But that has to be done before you shoot it. Okay. Yeah. Cause I know sometimes people's opinion. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm game for whatever the thing is. Then you're, you might change your mind later on. No, you can't shoot it. You can't shoot it and change your mind. Then yeah. they can, they can sue you with the contract. But, yeah. but, what happened to me in Thunder Alley? They shot some stuff that was not in the contract. I signed to specific things for that. And they shot things or sh- in the course of the shooting, some things were shown that were supposed to be edited out. They didn't ed- edit them out. So I had to sue and Screen Actors Guild represented me in that. And I won it. You can't shoot things that aren't specifically in the contract. That's what that special contract is for. Mm-hmm. And I also can't say, hey, I don't want this. I signed the contract. Exactly. But it sucks that you had to deal with that. But I'm glad that the court of law with the Screen yeah. Actors Guild felt that wonderful. you were. Screen Actors Guild was wonderful. I have to say, if any actor or actress has a problem with something like that, they will go to bat for you. And I wasn't sure, but I. I called them and had a meeting and they took care of everything for me. Everything. I didn't have to get a lawyer or anything. Hey, that's what your union dues are for. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that they were behind you 100% with your issue. But final Friday question for you, because obviously, like like we said, it's a holiday weekend. Don't want to keep you too, too long. And I'm not sure if you had seen other parts of the series or the whole series, but what were your thoughts of the concept of Roy being Jason instead of being Jason, Jason, if that makes sense? I thought it was inventive, interesting, and kind of courageous to do something different, a different whodunit. Uh, others don't agree with me because they should think it's, it's a formula and Jason should be in every film. I personally thought that part five 
a new beginning, took a stab, no pun intended, at something new and to try something new. I think they pulled it off. And so kudos for them to try to kind of think outside the box. And I would agree with that. And it seems I could be wrong, but you have more direct contact with fans of the franchise on a daily basis, weekly basis, whatever the case may be, as far as social media and such. But from what I have seen, it almost feels like that the negative opinion has changed over the years. Would you agree with that? Yes, but it took a long time. And I was unaware of the negative because I wasn't doing conventions or anything like that. So uh, and when the Facebook and things like that became common, I would hear things. And then I went to my first convention and I found out that part five was, I mean, hated by a lot of people, just hated because of the Jason, lack of Jason. And they, they took offense at me as a character in the film, like it was my fault that Paramount decided to have Roy. So it was, it was tough to deal with in the beginning that I was taking the personal attacks for the fact that Jason wasn't in the film. But my attitude to that was I was playing a character and also what you have to understand is to me, Pam Roberts, he was Jason. Because you didn't know until the very end of the film. Exactly. Sorry, sorry exactly. for the spoiler here, folks. But <laughs> So through all those scenes and the interaction with Jason and the fight scenes and everything, it was Jason to me. Exactly. When you're looking in a character's eye. But as uh, Miss Melanie had mentioned here early on, she's got several shows coming up between now and through October. Which I have to, I'll have to double check with her because another friend of the show is uh, Laura Park Lincoln, and you mentioned that Germany show coming up in October, and I believe that was one she did before COVID. Yeah, and, I think she did it. Yeah. Yeah, and she just spoke awesome things about that particular Germany show. If it's the one I'm thinking of, the annual yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. So I know she did it a few years back. Maybe it was last year, and. This time I'm doing it with Kimberly Beck. Oh, nice. And Judy Aronson. The three of us are going. Nice. I don't know who else. I will look into it. And the show I'm doing in West Virginia, I know Michael Berryman will be there. Oh, Michael's a great guy. Great guy. Yep. Uh, I have a lot of fun with him. So we got some good things coming up and some great people. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing the fans again. I get such a lot, a lot of great support from the fans and, you know, it's like a friendship. Exactly. And, you know, it was funny to sidetrack before I let you go. It's I was just at a outdoor event in PA this past weekend. Oh, I uh, heard about that. The outdoor show for Monster yes. Mania. Yes. And it was their first uh, foray back into everything as we start to go back into a new normal. And yeah, I like Dave Hagen. He's a great guy. Yeah, it was very well done, that whole show and the artists were spread out everything was done very well for uh -huh. a first show back so yeah well i wish him a lot of luck dave hagan puts on a good show he he does keep everything and the whole family keeps everything whole family yeah keeps everything organized yeah. but where can folks see for instagram and everything for these upcoming shows and stuff well i'm going to post everything i'm on um i'm on facebook melanie kinnaman but uh 
On uh, Instagram, I'm Final Girl Five. Uh, Melanie Kinneman, Final Girl Five. And Twitter, the same thing, Final Girl Five. So I will post everything on those three platforms. Well, everybody take an opportunity for when she posts these. And if she's going to be in your area, please go out, support these artists, not just Melanie, but everybody, because everybody's going to be excited to be back again. And Melanie, thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much. Hey, I know we have a lot of horror fans that listen to our shows, and I know things have been tough for everybody across the board these past six or seven months with what's been going on in the real world. But I wanted to make a suggestion to you horror fans, because I know part of the normal routine year in and year out is to attend different conventions to meet some of your favorite horror stars. However, none of us have been able to do that because of obvious reasons. But I do have a little suggestion for you. SignatureHorror.com Now, some may ask, what is that? Well, they obtain autographs for the fans from some of their favorite stars, from some of their favorite franchises. Whether it be the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and many more. They have different options such as, besides getting their autographs, you can do live Zoom calls with your favorite stars. You can do personalized videos for people, greetings of some sort. They just have many options. So if you're looking for to spend some money that you may have spent at conventions, check them out and see the options they have SignatureHorror.com That's right, SignatureHorror.com Hey, it's me, Bill Mosley, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Ride that crazy train, and happy Halloween.